Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Guess that song. No, I mixed it up. I did two John Williams songs. I was supposed to start it off with Superman. Yeah. Turns out a lot of John Williams songs sound very similar, but they're all very unique at the same time. That was you. You started with a very hard part. Yeah, no, I started with the like the like uh, Superman's getting ready to fly, right? And then the horn like that was really bad. It was it was awesome actually. How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Command Zone. I'm your host Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today we are talking about a very commonly asked question on the show, as well as discussing a little bit of Modern Masters 2017. But before we get into it, let's talk about our sponsor, CardKingdom.com/slash/CommandZone, where you get all your singles and product. Modern Masters has come out. And the, the prices are, are dropping, and when Ooh. they drop to their lowest, which is probably around now or maybe next week or <sighs> week and a half from now, fetch lands. Fetch them. Fetch, fetch, fetch lands. I'm going to fetch for a fetch land on cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. Make sure you use it when you buy your new fetch lands. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been checking like each day. Yeah. And as they continue to fall, I'm just getting ready. I'm getting ready. because I'm, I'm getting gonna, ready. Yeah, I'm going to get at least play sets of everything. Yeah, you have to. Now is the literal best time and probably the only time to get them at this price for the next... At least a couple of years. A couple of years, yeah, at yeah. the very least. All right. Uh, the other way to support the show is Patreon directly. You go to patreon.com slash command zone and you can contribute directly to the show. It allows us to do the podcast and things like game nights. A lot of people have been asking when are new game nights. I don't know if we've ever officially announced it on the show, but the plan right now is to do one per month. Mm-hmm. So early April will be the next one, which I think is like a week after this show comes out. For as long as we can personally sustain the amount of work that it requires, we're mm. always looking to uh, hopefully make the show live. So I'll tell you the truth right now. Patreon 
can help game nights continue to survive because it's on the edge right now as far as the <laughs> amount of work. But the next episode is going to be awesome. We have some very special guests. Very exciting. We also call out a patron every single episode for contributing to the show. So this week it is Mads, Mads E. Jensen. Thank you so much, Mads. Mads. What a cool what name. What a sweet name. Cher is the first name of one of my favorite actors, Mads, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Uh, also, I checked out his Patreon uh, profile. He also supports The Professor and The Manosaurus. What a guy. Mads. You rock. You're a killer. You're killing it. Uh, but GP Vegas is also around the corner. Oh, We're yeah. going to have a lot more details soon, but we wanted to let you all know that we will 100% be there, and we will be doing some kind of gathering on one of the nights. Yeah, so we get asked this a ton lately, and I know that's because it's creeping up on us. It's coming up in June. Yeah, GP everyone's Vegas scheduling is. stuff, too. Yeah, so we're going to be there the entire time. So we'll be there Thursday, Thursday through Sunday. Even though it starts on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't oh, we'll think I'll be there on I'll Wednesday. I'll be there Wednesday you also, okay. but I don't know what time that day, but I'll probably be around that evening. June but. 14th to the 18th. Yeah, so there will be definitely chances, a lot of chances to play Commander with both of us. I don't plan on playing any of the main events. Yeah, I mean, either I'll play some side events and drafts and stuff, but we'll just be in the convention hall playing uh, Commander for a lot of that. Also, there'll be things like, uh, we'll, we'll probably go out to dinner with people in, at night, open to listeners and things like that. And then right now the plan is to have a repeat of our gathering from GP Vegas 2015, which if you were at that, it was a ton of fun. So we're figuring out the details. We don't know them right now. The best way to find that stuff out is going to be to listen to the show and mm-hmm. to follow us on Twitter at CommandCast. Yeah. So most of those announcements will get made there, and they'll probably be made in the next, well, it's creeping up on us, so in the next month or so is my guess. The only guarantee I can give you is that it will happen at night. Yes, it will happen on one of the evenings. After the main event and all that stuff, so you'll be able to attend, um, and hopefully we'll have a space large enough to accommodate everyone, because it blew out of proportion last time. It really did. Um, all right. So, oh, one more thing. We are going to talk about Modern Masters 2017. For, for a lot of new sets now, our playgroup kind of gets together the, the release weekend and just has like a day or, or an entire weekend where we just draft the heck out of it. And we did the same thing for this new Modern Masters, and so we wanted to talk about draft. So at the end of the episode, for those of you out there that care about draft, uh, you can listen in and, and learn what we learned. Stay tuned. Uh, but because we have a real topic to discuss, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about how to... Blah, 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 blah. That was a drum roll with my mouth. <laughs> spice up your commander night. Blah, 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 blah. That's oh, the spice. spice. Yeah. Uh, EDH variants. Um, you know what else is spicy? What? Sriracha sauce. Sir- <laughs> <laughs> the show, by the way, not sponsored by Sriracha. No, no I just like it. let us know. We're here. Um, <laughs> we're, we're fishing for Sriracha. We're fishing for Actually, some... They totally should. Yeah, right? I would happily plug Sriracha sauce. I would would not be wearing this shirt. I'd be wearing the Sriracha shirt. Yeah, your shirt is pretty sweet, though. (laughs) Um, We get asked this question quite a lot, which is like, how do you guys spice up Commander Night? Do you guys play any variants? Do you do X, Y, and Z? Do you guys have thoughts on stuff like Plane Chase or Vanguard? How exactly does Secret Partners work? Well, today is the day where we're going to talk about all of the variants that we can think of. Um, Of course, we're not going to cover everything and how we, our general impression of them, some ways to spice up your commander night. But before we start, let's ask ourselves the question, why would you want to shake things up to begin with? Because it can get kind of boring if you just do the same thing every week or twice a week or whatever. And some nights you're just like, you know what? Let's just change it up. Let's just throw something different into the mix. And it helps you find things. It's We've talked about this general philosophy recently a lot because of like my vile smasher deck which mm-hmm. i never would have built i was forced to because of game nights and then i found freaking game nights yeah and then i found <laughs> wow that's my favorite deck 
but I never would have even tried it. And mm -hmm. so this is a similar idea, which is that you might find things in one of these variants that improve the other aspects of your game or improve your play group. It might loosen people up. You know, yeah. we hear a lot of those Dear Abby emails where people are having friends that are just a little too spiky or they don't mesh with the rest of the play group or, you know, sometimes there's a lot of interpersonal issues that, that occur. And this can be a way to just look at things from a different perspective and a lot of times people will be different coming out of one of these variants or something and they'll play in the normal games differently from then on. Yeah, it does change up a lot of stuff. It also fights against stagnation when things do get boring. Like, I know some playgroups, people don't really build new decks. So yep. after week three or four, everyone knows what's coming to the table, how things are going to play out. So play variants are a great way to add a little bit of uh, craziness to the ranks, I suppose. Um, and sometimes adding a variant can take away balance, also can add balance. Some decks may be too powerful in circumstances, and a variant may balance everything else out. That's a really good... Actually, this is a really good one, because another thing that Dear Abbeys ask us a lot is, like, what do we do about, you know, the one really strong player mm -hmm. in my playgroup that only plays combo? Or a lot of the Dear Abbeys are, I'm the combo player, and everybody wants to kill me every time. Well, playing a variant can switch that up uh, that that dynamic up for you sometimes yeah it adds in a board game feel and i love board games uh because it it's they're always changing their new rule sets and it's fun to figure out because playing commander it's like how do i win this game well when you're in a variant or a board game-esque variant it's like how do i win the game with these extra rules on top mm -hmm. so it can make things a lot more interesting and uh can lead to some great stories as well yeah some of our better stories in our group are in games with variants so yeah all right so Va we're gonna cover variants not var variants variants variant uh, oh boy that's gonna be confusing. We're, <laughs> we're in for it <laughs> uh this is a, yeah the first one is like the most common and simple one and still great yeah two-headed giant um you will need even number player groups to do this so four or six not two because that's just regular magic uh pre-decided two players are teamed up on the same team and they share a combined life total um now of course there are official rules for two-headed giant because they play this at pre-release every single time but for the most part, and this goes for almost every single one of these, you are more than welcome to make up your own rules, um, whether or not a player's uh, on the two-way the giant team start with 60 life or 30 or 40. It's up to you. Um, cool things, cards that affect each opponent actually affect both the players on the other team. So if you have a creature that pings each opponent for one, that team will take two damage as a single life total. Yeah, you you sit right next to the player. So if Jimmy and I were on the same two at a giant team, we'd sit next to each other. And then when it was our turn, it would be both our turns. But we would still play our lands. We take our phases at the same time. Yeah. And each of us would play our own hands and everything, although we can discuss with each other. But you can uh, you attack and block together. Yeah. So it definitely changes the dynamic quite a bit. Uh, it's fun. It changes the power level of your deck quite a bit too. Yeah, certainly. So that can it can even out some things or make decks more powerful than than you would think. It's totally fun. It's a lot of interaction too, and it's just sort of like I don't know. It's a little less serious than a normal game sometimes, where you can have a little bit more fun and be like, I don't know, I'm going to do this because it's crazy, and we're playing two-headed giant anyway. Yeah, and it's cool because you can also combo cards with knowing a full other player's oh, yeah. hand and their their commander being like, oh, sweet, let's do this thing. It's because your, your hand size is now 14 instead of 7, so the possibilities get way bigger in terms of how you can collaborate with someone. And I always find myself in games being like, hey, do you have uh, a chronic rift in your hand? Because <laughs> I want to do... you know." So, But this way you can actually play with that card if you know it's not in your colors or whatever. Um, uh, Craig, by the way, is a person that probably 
introduced us to the most variants out of everyone in our playgroup, and he has a deck like Talran Sky Summoner, which is all about oh. counter spells and making little birds to attack you in the sky. By itself, usually doesn't win games. In a two-headed giant game, though, it's one of the best partner decks you could ask for. It's ridiculous. In fact, if you're playing in pre-releases and even like non-commander two-headed giant, usually it's correct to build one deck with all the counter magic in it. One deck that's sort of stopping them, and then one deck that's more proactive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Super fun. It also, I think there's a number in commander that's awkward, and it's six people. Yeah. Six, and, six and seven, two of giants doesn't solve the seven problem. Because well, once you're at eight, you split into two four people groups and you're fine. But a three and a four, well, the three deck, or, or sorry, a three and a three is not good. Um, three headed giant? Yeah. It's so the other option. You can do three headed giant or you can do three groups of two headed giant. And it sort of can solve those weird numbers sometimes that you've got. That game will take a little bit of a longer time, but at least you can play it. Because six people is, that's going to take forever. And I would recommend if you ever do do that, make an agreement from the very start that people are going to take their turns fast, and if they don't, the other four people are going to start going. <laughs> Just team the up turn, on them. Pass the turn. Pass, pass the, the turn, turn yeah. The or turn. I'm going to swing at you. I'm yeah. going to swing everything at you. Yeah. Uh, the cool thing, though, is that it does actually power up a lot of decks, like you said. So if there's a deck that you feel like hasn't been performing because it's missing a key color, for example, two-headed giant is a great way to literally solve that problem completely. Have the other player play the color you can't play. This next one... I, when we originally did it the first few, the first time, really, I was skeptical. <laughs> I was like, really? I don't know. It doesn't well, sound fun. And then it turned out to be super fun. That's when you got your first 7-7 seven, seven Eldrazi with Annihilator 1, right? <laughs> the first time you got one of those guys out. You're well, like, no, it was the first time somebody else got one because I hadn't gotten to go yet. And I was yeah. like, this doesn't seem fun. And then yeah. I got like two and I was like, never mind. This is awesome. Uh, it's Plane Chase. Yeah. So Plane Chase works with any number of players. It was introduced all the way back in 09 as an augmentation to other formats. And actually on the website talking about Plane Chase, I think it says play this with Commander. Yeah, it, it is great with Commander. It doesn't have to be Commander only. Also, the Plane Chase anthology just came out yeah, uh, right. fairly recently. behind me. You and can definitely find it at cardkingdom.com slash command zone, by the way. Yeah, and, and it's I think it's 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 not super expensive as we thought yeah. it would be. The MSRP was at a certain point, and it's come down from that. So that's good. What they are is they're these oversized cards that sit in the middle of the table, and they affect everybody. And... They each card sort of changes the rules of the game, but the cards can be changed at certain times. So it's like this it's like this weird, unstable rule set that like keeps changing on you. And so you start to plan for it and then something happens and now there's a different rule set in place and you're like, oh crap, oh I gotta I would I need to do something different than I thought. Yeah, the players are actual planeswalkers and the plane you're on determines the universal enchantment of that plane that affects everyone. So uh it's called the planar deck. It exists in the command zone. I think this may have been one of the first uses of the command zone. Um and oh, I didn't know it was technically in the command zone. Yeah it's in the command zone. Oh. And uh I actually didn't know this either, but you can either have players play their own individual decks of planar cards that switch around oh you don't have to all share one or you can all share one in the middle we've only done the all share one but that that's interesting so everybody can be on a different plane yeah yeah well everyone no you're only on one plane at one time but when your plane flips you go to the next player's set of planes and then it flips so everybody's on whatever plane you're on on your turn uh well until it changes gotcha gotcha, gotcha. that plane stays symbol so The way that it works is that there's a special planar die, and the die is a six-sided die, and there's only faces, symbols on two of the faces. One of the faces is the Planeswalker symbol, and the other is the Chaos symbol. So let's read one of the planes. Uh, This one is called Lanawar. It's a plane on Dominaria, and it says, All creatures have tap, add green green to your mana pool. 
And that then, sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But it fits with Llanowar, right? Yeah, Llanowar yeah. elves, these are all Manadorics. <laughs> and then there's a chaos symbol, and if you roll that on the dice, then it says whenever you roll the chaos symbol, untap all creatures you control. So it's like... You get a lot. You see how you it sort of, of all mana. combines together. Yeah. yeah. So the planner die is special because you get to roll it once per free on your turn anytime you can cast a sorcery. And then after that, you can roll it again and pay one generic mana more for each time you roll it. So you roll for free the first time, then for one, two, three, four. And if it rolls the planeswalker symbol, everyone planeswalks. And you take the top card of the planner deck, put it on the bottom, and then reveal the new one and do whatever effects are on there. I like the planeswalking sound effect. It's like in a... It's like in the Matrix or something when you like travel through What's the, the movie where they're all jumping around... It was, it's not Looper, but it's similar sounding title. Jumper? Jumper, yeah. Jumper, go, oh, yeah. Shoo, shoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hayden Christensen, the great. <laughs> the great Darth Vader himself. <laughs> um, so there are a total of 86 Plane Chase cards, and if you guys buy the Plane Chase Anthology, you get to have all of them. And eight of those cards are called Phenomenon cards from Plane Chase 2012, and they're kind of like, uh, when you travel to them, something immediately happens. One of them literally is just Wrath of God, destroy everything, and then you flip it over again. That's the one you're all, either always dreading or always rooting for. Yeah. <laughs> you're always like, oh, God, please be the board wipe, or oh, God, please, please don't, don't be, be the, the board, board wipe. wipe. Yeah, yeah, that actually, com- I was in the most dominant position ever once, and then we plane chased to that. I was like, oh, gosh, Dang. it's all over. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Plane Chase Anthology is super worth it because you also get the four decks with it as well. So I would, if you want, if you're interested in this form of the magic, I would 100% suggest you buy the Plane Chase Anthology. As someone who was skeptical about it, because it makes your deck less important. Right. Um, and so that, when I heard of it, I was like, that doesn't sound fun. And then played it and was like, oh, no, this is totally fun. It's not exactly the same as Commander or Magic or anything, but it just... It's sort of a it's it's a it's a board game at that point. Like it it's is a little a, more like oh we're just having some fun. It's it, it takes the uh, the spikiness even more out of Commander, which I think can be good in certain groups and at certain times. So I would say even if you're skeptical, I was just trust us, give it a shot. You can also find image databases of all the planes yeah. online. Uh, the one that we talked about earlier is called the Hedron Fields of Agadim. It's a plane from Zendikar, and it says creatures with power but, seven or greater can't attack or block. So it's like, what? That's weird. Power seven or greater? Can't, okay, whatever. And then if you roll the chaos dice and you roll the chaos symbol, put a 7-7 seven, seven colorless Eldrazi creature token with Annihilator 1 onto the battlefield. So whenever it attacks, the defending player has to sacrifice a permanent. So when this know, is out, you pay all your mana to roll the dice <laughs> as many, many times, times as possible. And you get if you get a couple 7-7s seven, with Annihilator, you hope to plane chase away from it yeah. to plane shift, and then you can start attacking with them. Yeah, and they all have Annihilator 1. Uh, there have been games where this is the first plane we travel to, and everyone's yeah. just like, whether <laughs> 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 to get away as fast as possible or to get a token as fast as possible. Let me just tell you, if you get a 7-7 with Annihilator 1 on turn 1, you're in a good shape in that game. You're in good shape, yeah. Um, (laughs) It's crazy because usually those games, the people with the Annihilator 1 guys don't win either. It's just like Commander, where if you're out in the lead, I don't care how far it is, you can't beat like four other players. So as you can tell with Llanowar and the Hedron Fields of Agadim, some of the cards are incredibly powerful and perhaps sometimes too overpowered so it's definitely up to you and the playgroup's discretion if you want to not use any of these cards or to soft ban them um, yeah i would ca- i would caution or, or i would uh, counsel against that because i think you're already v- sort of viewing it incorrectly if you do that the whole point of it is to be swinging and crazy yeah swinging and crazy the is point a lot of fun. it is not to be like i'm better than you because i beat you at plane chase <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Another idea that I had uh, when I was writing this up was because uh, another format is you have your own pool of 10 is to do a draft beforehand oh. with the planes and you sort of make little 15-card shuffle piles and then you draft them around until you get you know six or seven each. And I like then, it. I and like then it. you start the game. So that way you can choose, like, okay, I'm playing this deck. You're trying to be a little more strategical with yeah. it. Yeah, so you know, like, oh, shoot, I really hope, you know, I need to plane chase out and go to my plane next or whatever. See how cool variants are? You can have variants of variants. A variant? It's a variant-a-thon. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a, a veritable variant-a-thon. Oh. Hmm? There's a lot of variants as well when you play with the variant of the variant. It's very... Oh, no. All right, all right I'll stop. <laughs> all right. On to the next one. You know, I've only done this one time. I've actually only done this outside of Commander. I've never done this in Commander. Yeah, true. I, didn't, I haven't done it with Commander either. So we're going to talk about Vanguard slash Arch Enemy. They're somewhat similar. Um, Vanguard is these big sort of oversized character cards that came back in 97 they kind of feel like early commanders in a lot of ways yeah vanguard have actually done more than than the ones actually, but right, Arch Enemy was the one because because craig actually well, craig actually recently built a thing around vanguard so he's trying to bring it back yeah which is really cool actually i might I'll, we'll talk about that after i'll we, dedicate this section to craig i dedicate every section to craig <laughs> Uh, I've made he's made a promise not to kill me with him. In fact, if I dedicate more what? things to him than you, I dedicate everything to Craig. <laughs> no, <laughs> I dedicate everything. Infinity plus one. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> so these Vanguard cards are like oversized character cards. They're from, I believe, the original Weatherlight saga, uh, and yeah. they they give an enchantment like effect similar to Plane Chase, except in this case they are a card that represents you, the player, and so you get this permanent effect throughout the game. Um, and they affect your starting hand size and life total as well. So one of them is Urza, everyone's favorite. Uh, it's a character, and it says starting and max hand size minus one. So you can only have six cards in your hand at the beginning, and for the rest of the game, that's your max hand size. And your, and your starting life is plus 10. And it also says on the card, uh, three generic mana, Urza deals one damage to target creature or player. So really interesting. All the cards do different things. They all have different effects. One of them, I think, just draws you an extra card every turn. That one's a little too powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple, I think, that are a little overpowered. And this one's different than Plane Chase in that it's not quite as random because you get only your effect. So it can just not, it can be a little bit like, ah, oh, man, he just has the awesome Vanguard card. And, yeah. and it just doesn't feel fair. Although in multiplayer, you can team up. So maybe it's fine. Um, but there's some sweet ones. And, and it definitely changes how you how you play. Yeah, and the, the power level varies a lot. But you can also do a lot of different fun things. Either the Commander card uh, or the Vanguard card supplements your deck. Or it could replace your Commander entirely, maybe. Or it could add some craziness to the table. Um, I would definitely experiment on how you select these. Before, we just did it randomly. And the person with the draw one extra card won every time, I think. That, th that one is too powerful. Even though yeah. you start with a lower hand size, doesn't matter. I think it'd be really fun to do a rule where you can maybe swap them in-game. If you do a certain effect. Like, if you do 10 damage in one turn to someone, you get to you know an option to switch or whatever you could roll the planar dice every turn and if you uh, get oh, the yeah, chaos you then, get yeah, a new I don't one. Know. variant yeah. veritable variant maybe there's variants. a way to enable or disable them if you use their ability too many times um so i i like vanguard cards um and again i would recommend going on google youtubes and looking up vanguard uh card images and you can look at all of them and see if it's something that interests you and then there's tons of random places to buy them online. You may be able to get some of these uh, on cardkingdom.com as well. And the next one is Arch Enemy. And this is actually topical because there's a new Arch Enemy coming out. Nico Bolas. Pretty soon, which our good friend Gavin Verhe had a big part in. Arch Enemy is an all versus one format. So one player, it's multiplayer, but one player takes the, the role of the Arch Enemy, and then everybody else is against that player. 
Yeah, which is seems like, oh, well, that player is going to lose. Well, however, the arch enemy has these things called schemes, and they are the arch enemy's ways of changing the course of the game. And again, they are world-affecting effects. It's like casting a big spell or an enchantment. And um, the schemes are originally created by Watsi to be used with a specific 60-card deck. So, for mm-hmm. instance, arch enemy Nico Bolas would have a 60-card deck and Nico Bolas-themed schemes that he would use to play against you, and then all the other players just use regular standard decks or whatever, or whatever decks that have 60 cards in them. It's really, again, very flexible. You could do this with Commander and not have to use the uh, original Arch Enemy deck. The schemes definitely seem like the best way to utilize this. They're very similar to the playing cards from Plane Chase, but they can be super, super powerful. They're crazy powerful. In fact, I think, if anything, the Arch Enemy is favored in the matchups. Yeah, which makes it all that more fun and challenging, um, because one of them, for example, is called Behold the Power of Destruction, when you set this scheme in motion, destroy all non-land permanents target opponent controls. What? So it just destroys what? everything from one of the players. What? One? What? <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> so the way that works is the arch enemy, whoever you designate as it, shuffles the scheme deck and then places it upside down. On their first main phase, uh, they flip it over, and then they follow the text on the card. And then they flip a new scheme at the beginning of each of their uh, turns. Um, it is crazy. I mean, look at that. Behold, the power of destruction is nuts. <laughs> But it only affects one player, so that's where the whole point is. Like, multiple players are teaming up against one person. Yep. Um, and again, you can play lots of variants of this. You can sort of play around with, depending on the power levels of your decks and stuff, like how much life does everybody start at. You can mess with those things. Yeah. Um, you you know. can also just do straight Arch Enemy, where it's like, hey, you have the best deck at the table, and we're all building our budget brews. Let's go 3v1t if you can beat us. And that player may be up for the challenge. So that's Arch Enemy without any of the schemes, any of the extra cards. Just, hey, let's try this out for one game. It's always fun. It sounds fun, actually, to be the arch enemy or to try, like, you know, mm-hmm. somebody that thinks they can. Yeah, I like that. Craig, you don't want Craig against you as the not arch enemy because he'll just <laughs> infect you out. Actually, that may be the silver bullet of arch enemy <laughs> is infect creatures. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I would definitely recommend, again, trying out some variants. All right, this next one is one that we'll spend a little more time talking about. It is Secret Partners. We talk about this a lot on the show. It's something that Craig introduced us to, and I, I think there's actually other names for this out there, but this has provided, I think, some of the, the more fun games. This um, is kind of our go-to for the spice it up. We'll even just do it like a couple of normal games in Commander. Hey, you guys feel like playing the next one as Secret Partners? Yeah, let's do that. Because um, so it doesn't change. It doesn't do it something like the plain plain. You don't have to take do. out stuff that you wouldn't... You don't have to bring things you wouldn't normally have on you. You can just do it with all the normal things everybody would bring to your normal Commander night. And so, yeah, yeah we find it... Especially if there's been a particularly contentious game or, or you know, something where there was a lot, it was really grindy or whatever. It's nice to change it up in the, even in the middle of the night. And, and it is another thing that works well when you have more players. So once mm-hmm. we get to five and six, that number that we don't like, Secret Partners can really help make five and six player games go faster. And they sort of make them less unwieldy because... I think everybody that plays Commander knows once you get to six, ugh, you're like, what do we do? Like, I yeah. can't, we can't split it up. We don't want to play one big game. This, it, again, it doesn't solve it. The game's not going to be super, super fast, but it's not going to be crazy long because Secret Partners does um, instigate action. And so, well, I guess we should explain what Secret Partners is. Yeah. So it's for five to six players. For five players, so five total people, you would have two separate teams and then one lone wolf. 
you see what my hand figures doing here. For six players, you have three separate teams with two players on two separate teams and then two lone wolves. Or you can have two separate teams with three players each. The um, lone wolves, we should say, they win if they're the only player left standing. And the teams win. And you can you can change this. It's either if both are left or if only one are left. That's sort of up to you. If mm-hmm. you want a faster game, you can make it so the team loses as soon as any player on that team dies. Um, we've done it that way. Craig doesn't like it. So a lot of times we go with if any player on the team is still standing, that whole team wins. Yeah. And the way you determine it and why it's secret is that you take, this is hard to explain on the radio. I want you to just picture this in your head. You've got a mountain and a red card, like lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And you've got an island and a blue card, like counterspell. And then you've got a white card. So this is for five people. So I've got a a card color that matches a land type, a card, another card color that matches a land type, and then a third card color that there's no land type for. Now I turn those all upside down so you can only see the backs of the cards so nobody knows what anything is, and I hand them out. So the people that get the lands, the mountain and the island, they flip up their cards. So we can only see those two cards out of the cards that were handed out. Now somebody still has that lightning bolt, somebody has that blue card, that counterspell, and somebody has that white card, but they're face down. So now you say, okay, whoever has the mountain that's face up, they're teamed up with the lightning bolt person. That's face down. That's face down. So only the person with the lightning bolt knows that they're on the team with the person with the mountain. And the counterspell person, the blue card that's face down, is teamed with the island person, but they only know that. The person with the island face up doesn't know which of the three people with the face down cards is their partner. And that's why the the partners are secret. And so you're not allowed to say, hey, I'm on your team. You can play it where you're allowed to say that. And the smart thing to do is if somebody goes, Jimmy, I'm on your team, is to for the other players to know, no, Jimmy, I'm on, I'm your, on team. your team. Yeah, what are you talking about? You're not allowed to flip your card up yeah. if it's face down. You can't show the card as like proof. And then the politics just go crazy. Yeah, and the person with the white color card is the lone the wolf. Lone wolf. Oh, yeah, so sorry. they're on no one's team, but you know the politics do go crazy at this point. Um, the, the best part about this is when it comes to that first attack, you know immediately who it is safe to attack because if you're one of the face-up cards, you're not on the other team with yeah, the other person. If Jimmy's got an island and I've got a mountain. We'll Hold be 100% no. Jimmy's got a mountain and I've got an island. Thank my you. bad. That was my bad. Um, we know that... We don't know which of the face-down people are on our team, so it's not safe to attack any of them. But we know each other aren't. Mm-hmm. So then we just... It's not the same politics as a normal game where you're like, well, I'm just not going to attack anybody because I don't need to make an enemy. I, I know Jimmy's my enemy. So there's yep. no point in not going at him if I can or vice versa. And the face-down people are the same way. They know they're not on each other's team and they're not sending any real signals if they attack each other because mm-hmm. everybody knows they're not on the same team. So therefore, the secret partners are what push action and make things happen in the game. And yeah. that's, I think, you know, that's something that the the Monarch mechanic tries to do in Conspiracy 2, and it's something that Commander sort of needs once it gets to, like, four, five, six players, and that's right. why the games take so long, is there's just no impetus, there's no... Reason. Reason to do stuff a lot of times. And so the game mechanics almost need to be changed to incentivize people making moves and doing stuff and that's what really what secret partners does and it's great yeah the real fun of this is holding back the information because like josh said you could just say hey i'm on your team but as soon as you do that then the lone wolf can just go like okay cool i'm on not your team and now it's a 3v2 you know uh so you want to incentivize not revealing information i think that makes the game a lot more fun and sort of to subtly communicate that throughout the game who's on what team who removes what creature for you 
Um, We've got great stories in our playgroup of like actually managing to trick people to think they're on your team when they're not. Or yeah, tricking throughout them. the entire game. Usually it's the lone wolf trying to be like, yeah. hey, buddy, I'm on your team. Wink, I mean, I've wink. done it when I'm on the other person's team is trick the other person <laughs> into being on, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, commander games are long. You have 40 life. There's a lot of leeway here. Just attacking someone one time doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, it can really throw them. So the, the politics, of course, I like the politics part of it, but also the deception part of it of like pretending, you know, by giving them the little like, you know yeah the little look but it's they're not actually on their team and they don't know it oh, that's the best <laughs> yeah it, it definitely makes for really fun games uh i i love the fact again that you know who to attack so you don't have to worry about that hurt your feelings part of the game um and this is a great mode to play with plane chase as well oh yeah you a you variant can, a veritable variant of variants yeah it's a very good one so you can roll the dice for <laughs> someone else if you know that hey they're on the they need this plane to leave and you can also be like oh, i need this plane to leave too wink wink nudge nudge and roll you know roll out of it playing with monarch i think is a really good idea with this too because it incentivizes I, even more attacking and more confusion at the table yeah we should try this next time what if you just had the monarch in the middle of the table and whoever attacks first and does gets, combat it. gets it and then yeah. there's just monarch for the rest of the game i i think that i think even just that as a variant by itself might be a great one forget just monarch just yeah the monarch variant where it's just like monarch exists and it's in the center of the table and whenever you do combat damage the first time that person is the monarch and then mm-hmm. you just play with normal monarch rules um i would love to do that yeah so secret I- partners is great it's probably my favorite one of all of these and again you can mix and match so you can you can add them but th- it's so simple you don't need anything special and i would really really say if you haven't tried it in your play group give it a shot because yeah. it, it definitely adds it adds a lot of spice. Yeah. So to reiterate, you need one person basically to know the rules when you're handing out the cards. You want to take two basic lands and then two monocolored cards that match those lands and one card that doesn't match any of the cards. And you make sure that the people with the basic lands know that they're going to flip their cards up and they'll be on the team and then everyone else keeps their cards hidden. So pretty simple. Again, just come back and listen to this again if you need an explanation of the rules. Ooh, this next one's very simple as well. It's simply called Star. It only works with five players. So we all know how to draw a star, right? Bop, 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 five points mm-hmm. on a circle. It also, if you look at the back of a magic card, you got it. Um, so in a star game, two players on both of your sides are your allies, but they're not your teammates. They're just your allies. And the other two players across from you are your opponents. It's just like the back of a magic card. Yep. Yeah. And a player wins when both of their opponents are killed. So if I was playing and Craig is here and Josh is here and we got Kessler and uh, Maria over here, they're enemies and these guys are allies so i don't want to attack them necessarily i may have to at some point but it doesn't mean that they're my teammates uh my goal is to kill them and these guys are my friends however for yeah for Josh, me kessler and jimmy are my teammates so i don't necessarily want kessler out and maria, and maria craig. And craig are my enemies even though jimmy craig's his friend so that's where the the tension comes in yeah. that jimmy and i share a common goal sort of yeah we both want maria out sorry maria but not craig yeah, so I, you know, it incentivizes me to protect these two in some way because if they, if one of them gets out, then one person is half the way to a victory. If that makes sense. Um, I've never actually played with this because we almost always play with four players, but this seems like a very, very quick and easy way to have just a, all right, here are the world rules of the game. Let's go. This is a very old variant, and I have um, a very old variant, and I have played it not with Commander, but with, we used to play with kitchen table decks. Which, oh, really? Which were like, 80, 80 card decks or something. <laughs> and we used to play these rules. Um, I think it comes from another game or something. But anyway, it's super fun. And it 
it, it's just like Secret Partners. It stimulates action in the game because you know mm-hmm. who to go after. There's not that sitting around. So yeah, uh, it's a cool one. All I've right. heard of this one. This one I have not played. Yeah, this one I haven't played either because I think it needs a decent amount of balancing to make it work perfectly. But it's uh, from, I originally read this on Reddit. It is called Kingdoms. It's a five to six player variant. If any of you have ever played the board game Bang, it's a Western shootout board game with little cards. It's very, very similar to this. So the roles are there is a king, there is a knight, two bandits, and an assassin. And if there's a sixth player, there is the usurper. And the usurper and the assassin can also be interchangeable. So basically, you're going to pass out basic lands face down to determine who is who. So you could do king is one, knight is another, and it, because it's, you know, there are two bandits, you can do this with five basic lands. Otherwise, you're using four because there's... Right, you say the island is the king and the mountain is bandits. Mm-hmm. And the uh, plains is the knight, makes and sense. And the black is the assassin. And then so everyone keeps their cards and keeps it face down and hidden, and it's part of the fun. The king, however, immediately flips their card over. They start at 50 life, and they go first. And their win condition is to be the last man standing either by himself or with his knight. The knight's entire goal is to protect the king, and his win condition is if he and the king are the last two standing, not if only he is standing. The bandit's goal is to kill the king, and their win condition is if the king dies, they just win. And their assassin, uh, the assassin's goal is to kill everyone and if you're playing with a six player the usurper uh their goal is to deal the killing blow to the king then you they assume the throne they immediately jump to 50 life the king goes to one life and they don't die there and then they take their win condition and the king becomes the usurper again so the usurper becomes the king that makes sense yeah that's awesome um, <laughs> yeah it's, it's really interesting and the knight has to protect the new king and doesn't have an allegiance to the old king um it's a very interesting variant um, that, that knight is not very loyal no <laughs> Well, it's kind of like Jamie Lannister, right? He has no choice but uh, yeah. to defend the no, king. No, if it was Jamie Lannister, he would stab the king in the back. That's true. Only if he, the king was going mad with... I mean, if it was me as the uh, the mono-red burning everyone down route. We should have done that one. We no, probably wouldn't have screwed that up. It's not John Williams no. either. My recommendation... Okay. Feel free to switch around how the assassin and the bandits win because the bandits having just killed a king and win the game, I think, can sometimes just end it really prematurely. And if the assassin, it also, if the assassin kills the king, then the bandits win immediately because that's sort of their win condition. If you're the assassin, you almost want. You need to kill the bandits. You yeah, need to figure out who's are. Well, the, the the assassin wants to kill everyone. They just have to kill the bandits first. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. You, you don't want the bandits like coming in and killing the king early because then you just lose. Yeah, so there is some fun there, but I think it could be a little unbalanced. Um, you also could just switch the assassin and the usurper character if you're playing with five players, uh, and the bandits' win condition could also be switched with the assassin where the bandits have to kill everyone to win. Um, but this is really fun, again, because everyone's face down, and because everyone's just swinging at each other, you could be like, are the bandits just trying to kill everyone? Is the bandit trying to get rid of this guy to get to the king, or is this the assassin trying to kill everyone? So it's a lot of fun, um, and the poor knight <laughs> has to just defend the king with everything they have. <laughs> uh, it it sounds cool. I, we should try this one of these times. Yeah, if you guys go on the Reddit links that I posted, people have also created little card images that you can print out that have the full... Oh, so you like, don't have to do king. the face-down base Well, it is faced. Yeah, it, they're still face-down, but they'll say what your goal is are on the card. Um, I think this is also perfect to play with Monarch. Oh, yeah. Maybe the king doesn't need to start at 50 life, but uh, being able to draw that extra card is pretty sweet. The king starts as the Monarch? Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, great. They are. That's perfect sense. Right, yeah. 
gives everyone a reason to swing at them first too maybe even the knight <laughs> it's like listen i just need the card okay? i need the card man yeah, but please. i'm the knight i swear yeah <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge um okay the final category of play variants is make up your own make it up this is your life you get to do whatever you want do you do what you want you do you um yeah you want to start us off yeah so uh theme nights is a cool one so i like the idea of saying guys we're gonna play next week but we're gonna build new decks for a theme night so it's gonna be not your normal stuff so maybe your theme night is like every we got five players and everybody's assigned a color and you make a new edh deck based on that color or everyone you know everyone claims a tribe that they like i'm gonna i got zombies and you're like i got goblins and blah 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 or uh you know, there's guilds, there's shards, there's wedges. I think that could be really fun. And force people, you know, we hear a lot of emails to the Dear Abby style ones where people are like, ah, my friends only got one deck. I'm tired of playing against it. Well, if you do a theme night, they're kind of incentivized mm-hmm. to build a new deck. And, you're, you know, it doesn't have to be the, the, the highest, most competitive thing because it's for the theme night. It's like, uh, you know, I'm, I got to build a mono black deck. I'm not going to go necessarily and build the most powerful mono black deck of all time. I'm going to look, well, what mono black cards do I have? Yeah. Yeah. Also, so. be a fun chance to uh, trade with other players and, and like go over and have a brewing night as well. I mean, this, you could say like it's a month away or whatever. And you yeah. could also say like set a budget limit of $50 or whatever if you have that kind of budget. Otherwise, I mean, this is honestly a great time to proxy out some cards and see if you like the th- kind of deck that you make. Cause I didn't think I would like playing an X deck until I actually did it, like your Vala Smasher deck, you know? Like, so you need to give your chance to test some stuff out. And I think that's a huge sort of thing stopping a lot of people from making new decks is like, I don't want to spend the extra money for the cards in case it doesn't work. Yeah. Having a game night like this, ah, game nights, uh, is a great way to force it on people. And this is kind of what we do for game nights. Yeah, you it know, is 100% what we do for Not every single nights, episode, but some episodes, yeah. We're like, okay, well, the new commander's from Ether Revolt. It's They're not, all monocolored, too. Yeah, it's not like we just happened to all do that. We, we <laughs> said, okay, well, we're going to do that now. Who wants what? And now let's build the decks. Uh, and it's been totally fun, so I would highly recommend trying that out. Yeah, there's yeah. some other cool ones, standard only. So this is a good one, actually, especially a lot of playgroups have a big gap you know, there's a couple people who've been playing for a long time, a few mm-hmm. people that are new. Well, if you do a night where it's like, okay, you got to build a deck and you can only use the cards that are legal and standard right now, you know, and that's going to be in two weeks, That that's our theme for that night. It really will even the playing field a lot of ways. Yeah, especially if, you know, you, you know your play group well and maybe you guys all draft together, then you do a draft chef only deck or because all those draft cards are from standard sets or from the block, you could say like, all right, cards going back to Theros only. Because you know everyone in the group has access to those cards. And I think that can provide for some really fun moments because it's like, holy crap, look at this crazy combo you accomplished with just these cards from these, you know, these decks or whatever. Maybe the commander can be from beyond that. But, you know, I think that's a great way to reuse cards that otherwise may have just sat in a binder or a folder and gone to waste otherwise. Yeah, it's a really good point. It will make cards worth something that otherwise are just not, nothing. Not worth money, but worth something to you. Yeah, and maybe get one last hurrah out of it. Yeah. It, you might find, too, that like, that was really fun. Let's do that again. Or you might find <clears> the <throat> beginnings of a new deck in some of the things that you made. Because here's the thing about Wizards is that they've been making new mechanics every single set. And every single time they do it, they get to mess around and do some new cool stuff, new interactions, new things that are sort of maybe a little game-breaking. Like, they do this every single time they release a new set. Vehicles, I think, is the easiest example of how they <laughs> accidentally broke standard with Smuggler's Copter. Um, so it's like cool like you can make a vehicle only deck super easily and maybe find some fun things that want you to tap or untap creatures going back to like theros block you know like you can find 
fun stuff. And the thing is, too, the newer the sets are in general, the mechanics are stronger. Yeah, and I think, you know, we hear this a lot, like, ah, I wish I could make an energy deck, but it's just not going to be strong enough in a world of Narsets and Kalias and stuff. Well, if you change the world so it doesn't have Narsets and Kalias, all of a sudden an energy deck becomes more viable. So, again, if you just make the rule, you know, we can only use cards from these these sets or whatever, you know, and it doesn't have to be forever, so people in your playgroup are not like, well, I'm never going to get to play my awesome Narset deck again. No, it's just like, but in... But, you know, maybe once a month we do that, or maybe not yeah. maybe just one time ever we you do that. You might even be able to convince your LGS owner to let you borrow the draft shaft, because I always see players turning in cards at the end of the night, you know, and I bet you could even get them to give you some sleeves as well if you really need it. Or just shuffle those cards up bareback. I mean, like, the, these are all commons and uncommons or whatever. Speaking oh, of which, you could do a, you could do a popper deck. That would be sweet. Unsleeved, old-school, 100-card deck, because it's all, like, cheap cards. Man, Yeah, I hate, I hate putting sleeves on cards, honestly. Poor Josh. Yeah. You know, remember when your dual lands got ruined by flooding? Yeah. If only they had a little more protection. But there was no chance that that ever would have happened. Like, no one was putting sleeves on this. It's not like no, I was, I like, breaking the mold. I was just doing what everybody did then. Um, you can also do this. This is recommended by you. Choose commanders for other players. Yeah, I thought this would be fun. So, Especially if you know the group well. Yeah. So here's what I think you do is everybody in the group, let's say there's five people. Each person, it's kind of like Secret Santa, gets assigned one of the other person. <laughs> And then they choose that the commander that that person's going to have to build around. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone's going to pick the worst thing they can find. So everyone's going to build these decks around the jankiest commander. <laughs> I think that would be sweet. Yeah. Or, or commanders that just completely betray the kind of play style that that person likes to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. give Jimmy the, like, I don't know, mono green one. <laughs> yeah, mono green, probably. Yeah. Or even mono black. Who knows? Uh, break the rules. Uh, you can make commanderless decks. This is sort of similar to the format that uh, Kessler uh, is part of creating. Oh, uh, Highlander Roulette. Highlander yeah. Roulette, yeah. Or you can do non-legendary commanders as your creature. I think that oh, could potentially cool. be broken. Who mm -hmm. knows? Um, either way, lots of different ways to make up your own themes. And even I just like the even just to add Monarch to every game and see what happens. I you really know? like that, actually. That Just the Monarch variant sounds sweet. We should definitely try it. Yeah. Monarch, Monarch is awesome. It just didn't get a lot of play. It didn't get a lot of recognition because no. uh, Conspiracy 2. I won't go on this so whole cool. thing again. But. And I want to wear a little tiara, too. <laughs> we got to play Conspiracy 2 with Sean Main, who's like, Conspiracy is Sean Main. Sean's brainchild. Yeah. And uh, Mel Lee from Wizards was there, not a, formerly of Wizards was mm -hmm. there, and they brought like all these little tiaras and different crowns. It, it was, was awesome. Yeah. And pie. Perhaps the most important part. There's some pie well, there. It too. was pie day. It was pie day. Um, all right. So that make that is going to do it for our discussion on variants of EDH. Please, 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 please let us know if you guys have tried any of these. I would love to know if any of these work for you or if we missed any as well. That'd be nice to know. All right. Let's talk about something else cool. Drafting... Outside of the world of magic? No, no. no this is inside. <laughs> it's drafting Modern Masters 2017. So we gathered a bunch of friends, a full group of eight on saturday and we just drafted all day i think we got five drafts in total yeah that last one was a struggle i was just like play as fast as possible go home i'm yeah, tired even wes who is like the most try hard <laughs> and the best player out of us was just like whatever whatever i, I don't know, care, just, I don't care. yeah dude yeah what's going on okay cool <laughs> uh so modern masters is out hopefully you've had a chance to draft it but if you haven't it's going to be being drafted for the next few weeks until Amonkhet comes out. We thought it'd be fun to talk about the format, tell you what we learned, hopefully give you a little bit of a leg up when you go into your LGS or whatever, battle out with your friends. It's this may even be at GP <laughs> Vegas this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they ran a lot of these drafts as well. Yeah. I, You'll I'm find sure, me in one. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I'm sure they will because they're going to have the history of drafting for one thing. So they're going to have a ton of formats. Right. And this just makes sense because it's sort of the most recent Modern Masters set. And if what we're hearing is true, there's enough product that it's going to last. Um, and I would highly recommend you to try drafting even if you haven't before, rather than just cracking the box. I know a lot of people are buying their boxes and then just opening them. I mean, if you're yeah, going to do that... Yeah, would do such a thing, Josh? If you're going to do that, you may... <laughs> well, I also drafted a ton. If you're yeah, going to do that, you may as well draft it if you can. And mm -hmm. what we do is... So when we got together with all our friends and drafted, we have each person's got their own box. And so the first draft, we're like, okay, this is Jimmy's box. So we're going to draft it. But at the end, Jimmy gets all the cards. Because he and, bought the box. Because he bought the box. And the next one is, you know, Vinny's box, and we're going to draft it, and then at the end, Vinny gets all the cards. And so you're not worried while you're drafting about, like, taking the most expensive card, because it's not yours until it's your box, and we're drafting that one, and you're getting them all anyway, so there's no reason yeah. to take that card that you don't want. So you can just get a pure drafting experience. Um, That's all I want in life is a pure drafting experience. You I don't mean, need to worry about first picking that fetch land because you'd rather take this really sweet uncommon or the foil in the back. That's a great, you know, I mean, rare I'm fine with money drafting because I think that's probably the way you draft most of the time. Yeah. But I think it takes the pressure off it. A lot of people are worried. Like, Especially oh, for a set like this. Yeah, exactly. I, I have to know the prices of all the cards, and then sometimes i got to take a card I don't want because it's worth money, and that's not as fun. Well, if you do it this way, then you, you sort of get past all of that. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the format? I liked it a lot. Me too. I thought it was super fun. Um, I liked it, I think, a little bit better than The Last Modern Masters or EMA. Not I liked it a lot more than The Last Modern Masters, yeah. and this is on par with EMA, I think, so far. Yeah, I don't think it's... Even power level, it's on par with EMA. Yeah, it's very <laughs> high power level. Um, I think it's not quite as good as the first Modern Masters, which was amazing, and also that was the first of these, so it's hard to really truly compare it, mm -hmm. because it's always like the first time that they did this. Um, I mean, there's tons of fixing, so you knew I was going to already like it. Yeah, we have Signets at Uncommon as well as Trilands, and then you have the Guild Gates all at Common. So that's three sources in each pack, potentially, if you can get one of those sources of fixing. You basically can play three colors really easy. You should, actually, I think. Yeah, I think it's every... a three-color set. Yeah, so totally. So I think, like, basically almost every person... Like, it used to be, say, in Cons or some of the other sets where if everyone was drafting... Well, cons, maybe not as much. But if everyone was drafting three color, it was hard for a couple players to get enough fixing. But this one it feels like there's enough. And, of course, you can play five color. But you know what's funny is we didn't find the five color decks to be that much better, that it was really worth it a lot of times. I played four color and three color. Yeah, you want the synergy, I think, of the three color shards. Yeah. Um, so what would you draft first, a Signet or a Triland? If, you, if those oh, were the two best cards in the pack. I think Signet. I yeah, agree. I think Signet, because it, it ramps you, too. And, and it's almost as good at fixing as a Triland, uh, you know, may, yeah. maybe even better, because it could give you a color. You could, you could give you your fifth color sometimes. Where Yeah. Um, but I love the Trilands, uh, and I have trouble passing them always. <laughs> but I, I found myself passing them more in this than I did in, say, cons or something. Me, too. And that's because I think the set is definitely focused on color color x yeah so two main colors and one sort of splash-esque color in the three colors and we're not talking about the tri colors from cons of tarkir which was like obzon and sultai and jeskai we're talking about the original shards of alara yeah shards of alara so there's esper grixis bant naya jund and each one of those it's it's helpful to know not the names like I just rattled off, but just what those color combinations are. Because you're going to have a little bit less success, I think, if you draft one of the cons wedges. So it's going to be better to draft Esper, which is white, blue, and black, than it is going to be to draft Sultai, which is 
blue, black, and green because yeah. there's not going to be as much. There's not going to be any Sultai cards. It's very easy, by the way, if you look on the back of a Magic card to know what the shards are because they're just it's similar to Star. They're just the cards, the colors next to each other. So if you want to figure out what Bant is, you look at white. It's got green and blue next to it, so that's Bant. And then Esper is blue and it's got black and white. So you just go around and you just take its two neighbors and you've got the card. Or yeah, the, the shard. It's definitely based on the shards and. Well, I guess this this transitions into the next point we've got here, which is what archetypes do you think are the strongest, Jimmy? I think we all settle on this by the end of the day in that a blue-black-based value deck seemed to be the most powerful overall. I think it was the most consistent. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are versions of other decks that might be able to be the most powerful, but wouldn't always get there necessarily, depending on what cards were available in, yeah. in, in, in that box that had been opened. And it seemed as though everyone was playing Esper when they had the chance to, and I very rarely saw a Grixis deck, which is blue, black, and red which is actually my favorite color combo. Yeah, I saw quite... I, I played Grixis, and I saw a few other ones. I think the red was... Either one, the white or the red, was a little bit less than the blue and the black. Like, the, yeah. you wanted to be blue-black with the ability to add a third color, whatever it may be. Yeah, and because the blue-black opened yourself to a lot of different strategies. You could go a more flickery value-based one, or you could do more graveyard stuff. and Or both, really. Or that, both, that was one yeah. of the things you found, is that the, the flicker cards... And the the sort of black value cards actually did work decently together, so you could so that's why the Esper worked really well. Yeah, um, and the the format didn't feel incredibly fast, so you were able to sort of outvalue and bounce felt really really good. Um, bounce felt good in certain scenarios because if you're playing another bounce deck, then it was awful because you're bouncing all their creatures that all have entered the battlefield effects. So. But then you bounce your own in that in that case. Hopefully, yeah, you exactly. build your deck to bounce your own. But there's a lot of tokens. In the format, the splicers, and there's a whole token deck. Yeah. And the bounce just straight up kills that stuff. Um, and so I found that there was quite a few, like, grindy type of matches. There was even a couple mill outs due to um, yeah. games going that long. So I'm not saying the—I don't think the format is, like, ridiculously slow or anything. I just don't think it's so fast that the value decks can't get there. So It's definitely fat, slow enough that straight aggro-based decks I found weren't very successful. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, even though Bounce is everywhere, the green-white token deck seemed incredibly powerful. That you is played the, it a couple of times. That is the aggro deck, and the best decks I had of the day, honestly, were the green-white tokens deck, and they felt unbeatable. Um, but I got two really good versions of it. There was one game where Jimmy literally it was to my right, and he passed me uh, four Call of the Conclaves in a row, like picks five, six, seven, and eight. It's a green and a white sorcery. Five, six... Seven, eight, yeah. It's a green and a white sorcery that just makes a 3-3. Three, 3-3 three. Three, three token. Token, yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of populate in the set as well as combat tricks that help populate. So. Yeah, and a lot of people have been down on the tokens I saw online, and they're like, there's so much bounce in the set. And I was like, yeah, there is. But you can just out a 3-3 three, three is really good. On turn two. Uh, it, it, even on turn three. Yeah. And even on turn four. By turn five, you're getting some 4-4s four coming down. But by then, you've probably hopefully come up with a way to deal with them. Or the, hit, and hit them in the face for like six. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you maybe populated a couple times. Uh, that deck was very fast. Yes, there's bounce, but things like Mist Raven cost four mana. You know, again, a lot of times you populated once. Yeah, they bounce it, but now they got a two two against your three three yard. Hit them for six. What are they? You know, they're. I had that happen to me and still won those games because they still couldn't deal with you know another three three and then another three three. It, Just butts on the ground. Three threes are very strong, and then if you can get bigger than a four four, I think those are kind of the two thresholds yeah. I found. Which was like, there's that centaur that comes in and it's one uh, green and a white, and you it's three three and you, you gain, gain three, three life. life. Yeah, it's actually pretty good because 
a lot of times I was looking at that thing going like, well, I got like, you know, a one, three or a two, two, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's just hard to deal with that thing. So, uh, I liked that green, white tokens deck a lot better than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, it just had a lot of durability because the combat tricks and no one else was really seeming to, to want to draft those cards. The combat tricks to say populate on them. There's one that's two in the white that gives your creatures indestructible. So it's such a blowout. Populate. It's a huge blowout. Yeah, if, you get if, another card guaranteed almost if you have a token, and you just usually win combat straight out. Here's what happened a lot. You play Call the Conclave 3-3 three, three token on turn two. On turn three, you attack with your 3-3 three, three token, and you pass the turn. Now they're sitting there looking at it going like, okay, I want to kill that creature, because any creature I play in my deck isn't big enough to block it anyway. And so they go to like kill it, and you give it indestructible and make another 3-3. Three, three. You basically just won the game right there. <laughs> because now you attack for 6 on the next turn. And they untap, and what do they do? Like, they can't even bounce one of them at that point. You don't care. You just, they just start taking tons they, of damage. They can't block you still, and you're just now you're just, you can go off. And, and instant speed populator is really good, yeah. because it gives you a blocker out of nowhere, too, if you know that they're tapped out and can't do anything. It's just, it's just all the populate spells all read two-for-one on them, and it's almost a guaranteed two-for-one usually, which is really good. I even played really that good. fog with populate. Yeah. Just because if you were ever in a race and you did that, you automatically won. And sometimes I'm just like, well, whatever. I pay two mana for a 3-3. It's still good. Yeah. And, and if you like, you know, you're like, all right, they're going to crack back Fog, make another token, block one. Yep. Or you need to block you don't one. Block, yeah. yeah just, and then you swing back and win. Yeah. The, yeah. the green-white tokens deck, when you get a good version, I think is is stronger than most people thought. Um, What do you think were the weaker archetypes? I tried doing this twice. I actually tried doing this three times. And straight, pure aggro, like 100% dedicated low drops aggro, never seemed to get there. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because black and red has these incredible cards. It's got this 2-mana 3-1 haste. Yeah. That's really good. That seems like it's great. But at the same time, it just seemed like as soon as it got to the mid game, almost every single deck had a way to be able to balance out the game. I think part of the problem with aggro is there's a ton of removal, a ton in, and a ton of low casting cost removal, right? Like green, blue has agony warp. Uh, black, red, blue. Or sorry, yeah, black, blue. Black, red has uh, auger spree. Yep, these uh, are all at common, by the way. Red, green has powerful has ground spells. assault. Yep. Magma jet exists uh, at common. Um, Chandra's outrage is at common. I mean, that's a grizzly salvage is at common. Like there's so much removal and a lot of it is fairly cheap that it's a lot easier to uh, stabilize against against the, the aggro decks maybe than, than it looks on the surface. Yeah, and Black Red doesn't have cards like Read the Bones or Knight's Whisper to draw cards as well. So Black is Black Red's essentially playing out creatures, and once they die, the other decks go like, cool, you traded one for one for my guys. This means now I get to draw cards with opportunity Yeah, because yeah. you're out of cards in your hand, and then the game's just over. You just can't win from that point. I saw many games where the player got down to one life and just was like, I stabilize, and you've got nothing left in your deck. Or, like, I play a Centaur Healer in Game 3 Life, and I flicker it eight times. You played a green-red deck, right? Yeah, I played Naya twice, uh, and I, I built it differently both times, and the second build was a little better. Yeah, I think green-red could get there. I had a green-red deck that was actually pretty good, and I, I, I didn't get great draws in my first round, and I lost, but then I rolled on the second two, because um, Bloodthirst mm-hmm. is it can be pretty good. I really like that mechanic in yeah, general. It's, it's, Bloodthirst is a is a, an ability where you play pay man and discard a card out of your hand to give a creature a combat bonus either plus three plus three or plus three plus two and trample or whatever um and it's the reason that get one of the main reasons that gate crash is super fast as well as when those were originally printed it's because those are on creatures so you have a creature and you can either play it as a creature or you can play it as a combat trick and right. so what ends up happening is 
Because in most aggro decks, I want some pump effects, but if I don't have creatures on board and, or I don't, and I don't draw them, then I'm not doing anything and the pump effects suck. So if yeah. you've got a card that's both, then all of a sudden it's so much more consistent because you can play the pump effect when you need it, but play it as a creature when you don't have that. And it does the thing, like we said in the last episode, where it fills two slots in your deck by being one card. So I think that deck could be good and it could get there. Um, the problem is I think you're getting sniped a lot by the value decks for a lot of the cards in that deck. Yeah, and not to mention that the way that the red, black, and the, the Jund-esque decks want to win as well, outside of just creature-based damage, is they want to be able to sacrifice tokens and other small creatures to ping your opponent or drain them with like a Falcon Wrath Noble. And that just doesn't pair well, having tokens to sacrifice to Bone Splinters and stuff when you also have creatures that just want to get in for damage and you don't want them to die. <laughs> I sort of think that, w and I was having this discussion at the end of the night, I'm not sure everybody agreed, but it's sort of my theory that red is actually the, the, the weakest color. Um, just in general, Josh? In, in Modern Masters. Okay, and good. I could be wrong because <laughs> we only did five drafts, so I don't have it a lot. It definitely felt like red did not have the staying power that the other colors did. I only liked red when paired with blue and black and i basically liked anything that was per paired with blue and black because i had blue and black so it yeah. was fine uh green wasn't great with blue and black but it was it was sort of on par with red maybe but red feels like it's two best commons magma jet which was i think surprisingly not as good nope and chandra's outrage which is is good but it's got double red in a three color set well how are lancer might be the best red common which is too bad because it's a three mana two two yeah um it does give first strike but yeah, I, I just, I guess we'll get into this when we talk about cards that underperformed. I mean, look at the quality of the uncommons in red, right? So you got like Molten Rain, and you have other cards like Ancient Grudge, which is more of a reprint yeah. for anything. Actually, Ancient Grudge I found could be useful. And then it's you go. It's not great, though. There's some decks that don't care at all. And then you go to blue with like Azure Mage or Compulsive Research, you know, or Familiar's Ruse. And these cards all have built in synergies to them that work really well with other cards. Um, like serum vision is just a great card in this set and the the thing is like none of the red cards say help me win the game past turn five turn four uh so let's talk about some of the um oh geez i am so far <laughs> behind some of the cards that overperformed our expectations Ugh, i don't want to talk about this first one this I first was... one was i'd say collectively from the group now wes already knew this going in i don't know if he played the original set or he just had a good read on it i hadn't really looked much at the spoiler so i didn't have a great expectation but when i saw this in the pack i just went right past it yeah because it's too. a six mana four four dinrova horror this may be the best one of the best creature commons you can get it's in every time somebody played it i'm like oh jeez. so it's four blue and the black for a four four creature horror when dinrova horror enters the battlefield return target permanent to its owner's hand then that player discards a card in games where you're going to the point where everyone's hellbent and they have no cards in their hand, this is a this is a creature removal spell in blue black because it bounces something to their hand and then they discard it. Because usually, people, if you don't see this coming and you're not holding a card in your hand, you're just gonna lose the card that it bounces. It's so good. So often it did that where they had no cards in hand and you just take their best creature, you play a four four and you kill their best creature it goes back to their hand then they have to discard it or their best creature is a token it just kills it anyway yeah the biggest beat down i was holding sphinx's revelation in my hand and i had like eight man to untap with the next turn i played my last card out of my hand and i got dimrova horde and the sphinxes it was on the token by the way yeah so i had to discard the card in my hand i was playing against josh kim of game knights fame same thing he had a token out i didn't rova horde his token one card in hand it was olivia voldaren <laughs> 
she's like, no. Uh. So by the way, if you are playing this wow. set and you're playing against somebody who's in blue, blue or black. black or either one, either really, one and has the ability, that, you yeah. have to hold a land. You have to know this card exists, and you have to hold an extra land in your hand rather than playing your eighth or ninth land, so yeah. that if they bounce your best creature, you can discard the land and not lose the creature. It it really does warp the format, and and that card was like a very high pick by the end of the day. I'm not saying a first pick, but I would be oh, happy picking there. it like third. Um, yeah, that was one. Here's another one that, and I only started using it near the end of the day, but I was very happy with it in the green white deck because it was aggressive. Was um, hungry spriggan. Shout out to MTA cast. They, I know they love their spriggans. They love their spriggans. It's two and a, a green for a 1-1 a one, one goblin warrior with trample, but it says whenever Hungry Spriggan attacks, it gets plus three, plus three until Ooh, end of turn. It becomes a 4-4. Four, four. And Ooh. what we learned is that 4-4 four, four is about as big as creatures get in this format. Yeah. There's not a lot of things that are bigger than 4-4. Four, four. Like Dinrovia Horror, one of the reasons it's good is because when it comes down as a 4-4, four, four, it has so much impact on the board because there's just not much bigger than that. Yeah. So it at least trades with everything. And it's, yeah, it's attacking on turn four as a 4-4, and there's basically nothing that can block it on turn four that isn't a rare. Yeah, it it actually, I mean, it's awful on defense, right? right. But the trample is very relevant in that kind of deck because that's how it's trying to win the game. It's not completely awful on defense, too, because there's a 3-1 haste, guys. There's a few right. things with one toughness. Um I found it to be like if you're not attacking, yes, you're not happy, but it's not completely zero. It's it, it can still do some stuff. Oh, one more card that I wanted to add on to this, and the reason that I think aggro just sucks is Penumbra Spider. Oh yeah, a Penumbra Spider at just common ends the game for an aggressive deck. It's a two four for four mana, two green green, and it has reach. And when it dies, you create a two four black spider reach token. So it's, it just it's always going to come back as another two four, which can just block everything that an aggro deck is trying to throw at it pretty much you know i was talking with glenn jones uh on facebook who former pro and works at uh wizards r&d and one of the things he told me um was like yeah because i was like oh we had a lot of fun and blah blah blah, and penumbra spider came up and he's like yeah you basically whenever you draft you have to have a plan for what you're going to do about penumbra spider because you're just going to run into them because they're common yep and that's again why four fours are so good because they get through it um that slime molding yeah, X in the green, just sorcery Cree, an XX green ooze creature token. It doesn't seem good, right? Because playing a three or four mana for a three three is not generally something you want to do. Now playing five mana for a four four again doesn't sound great, but in this format, four fours are so good that that's actually fine. And then if you ever play six mana for a five five, five five is really big in this format. It yeah. basically eats anything. They have to. They're always going to have to double block it, and because of populate, you end up going slime molding. If it lives and you have Rootborn Defenses or one of these other Populate cards, now all of a sudden you're making like three mana indestructible five fives for the end of turn. Like, it, yeah. That's when it sort of... That was the thing I learned with the token deck was I started drafting that and the Spriggan's high and those decks would just run people over. Yeah. Uh, this next one I played and it was just an absolute blowout when I you did You turned it. to me and you go... Hold, after you played it, I think, in a game yeah. and I was sitting next to you and you're like, oh man, this card's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thornscape Battle Mage, two and a green for a 2-2. Two, two. It's got Kicker for red and or white. So Kicker means you pay an additional mana cost when you cast it for an additional effect. If you pay an extra red for it, it does two damage to target creature or player. This can just kill a lot of things on the board usually. If you pay white for it, it destroys target artifact. And as the one of the next cards we're going to talk about are the Splicers. And these all come into the battlefield, and they, they're one ones that create a 3-3 Golem artifact, and then each of them has an ability on the card that affects that. Killing an artifact hasn't been so relevant in a long time because there aren't Plus many artifact so creatures. Plus, there's so many signets. But there's tons of signets, and there's tons of Splicers, 
and you'll see 3-3 golems on a lot of battlefields, and this is just a great way to just get rid of them. It's uncommon, so you're not going to see many of these. If you're playing Naya, this has to be one of the best cards in the deck. I think you don't even have to play Naya either. If you're just in two of the three colors, oh, yeah, you totally. have a good chance, like, especially the red. If you're green and red, because shocking something as it comes in for an extra mana makes it like totally awesome. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I think what happened is a lot of people saw that card and saw the three colors and didn't went yeah no thanks yeah exactly where it's like yeah you really only need two of the colors um yeah i like that card a lot the splicers speaking of which another card that i think overperformed a little bit they're all good they're all very good they 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 come in and here's the thing is together they create four power yeah so it's a usually it's a one one so for instance uh we'll talk about sensor splicers four and a white for a one one when it enters the battlefield create a three three colorless golem artifact creature token and golem creatures you control have vigilance. So each of them creates a token, and then they'll do something for that token. Yeah, the blue or one gives for your, the golems. Blue one gives your golems uh, flying. The green one makes them regenerate. There's a master that sort of lord gives them all plus one plus one. There's one that gives them first strike. These all look good, but even the sensor splicer started creeping up in my pick order because of the ability to reuse the effect. It's there's so many flicker and bounce. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got deputy of acquittals. You got flicker whisk. You've got your own. Um, your own, uh, what's the flyer that bounces something? Um, Core Skyfisher. Core Skyfisher. There's so many ways to bounce your own splicer. And Momentary re- blink, you get to play it, do it twice. Yep, Ghostly Ugh. Flicker. There's just a ton of ways to bounce the splicer, but the golem still stays on the field, then replay the splicer, get another golem. Yeah. That, it, it oh man, and when somebody goes to destroy stuff and you Ghostly Flicker, the thing they went to destroy, and your splicer, and then come back in, and so they yeah. wasted their removal spell didn't kill your thing and you got an extra golem out of it like you just yeah. won the game yeah not to mention ghostly flicker that card is just out of yeah. control good in this format because you can flicker artifacts and lands as well so you can get signets back as well if you need to flick you know fix your mana in a, in a heartbeat um it's just so good especially against other combat spells as well and here's the thing about ghostly flicker plus like because i always would very often see this play where you play a splicer it's turn four they'll play a miss raven and bounce the token miss raven that's the blue one I was thinking yeah about. which is like oh sweet well i'll just flicker these things and Make get them another. back yep. and then they just have a 2-2 bird that can't block the token that just came in what are they gonna do about it so yeah yeah um okay now this last one i think a lot of of sort of veteran players know it's good but it's one of these cards that i think doesn't look good to people who haven't drafted with it or are newer drafters this card might be just good in edh as well i, I think, think this is one of the best cards in modern masters uh 2017 it's incredible there's not a lot of rares i think i would take over it it's soul ransom it's two a blue and a black for enchantment aura it says you control enchanted creature so it's control magic now mm-hmm. this next part is what throws people it says discard two cards souls ransoms controller sacrifices it then draws two cards only an opponent may play may uh, activate this ability so the w- that's confusing but let's say jimmy's got a creature i play souls ransom on it i have control of that creature now jimmy can discard two cards in which case i have to sacrifice the souls ransom so he gets his creature back but then i draw two cards so that's the worst case scenario jimmy discarded two cards and i drew two that's insane yeah. You would play any card that said, hey, your opponent discards two cards, you draw two. Also, you got that creature for some amount of time. But also, this format has a ton of sacrifice effects. Yeah. If you have a vampire aristocrat or a gnawing zombie or any one of these millions of cards that allow you to sacrifice a creature, they can In never <laughs> they can never try and take it back. Because if Jimmy goes, I discard two cards, you go, okay. In response, I sacrifice the creature. Yeah. And I still draw my two cards. 
This soul ransom is so good. Also, let's say you're going to want to play this on a bigger creature. It's turn six. They play the last card of their hand. You soul ransom it. They have to wait two entire draw steps to get rid of it because they can't. They don't have the requisite number of cards in their hand. So you're able to crash in with this card that you've stolen as well. You can just really use this card to your advantage. And every time I saw it played or was played on me, it was always just, a, oh, no. It's just brutally brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 um, it was ridiculously good. Um, yeah. So, I really like this card in general. Yeah, it might be really good in, in Commander, too. I mean, I, you could just play Control Magic, but... Yeah. Yeah, still. Uh, all right, let's talk about some cards that underperformed, so maybe that looked better or we would have think would be better coming in and, and didn't end up being as good. The first one we talked about a little, uh, I think, is Magma Jet. Yeah, normally this card could be a first pick in a yeah. lot of different sets. It's one in a red for an instant. It does two damage to target creature or player. Scry two. The or player is actually the most important part to me because sometimes those decks you just need to force in the damage. And the scry two is useful. It's about half a card. Um, it just doesn't kill enough things. There's yeah. so many. Like for instance, there's a common called Mog Flunkies at one in a red. That's just a three three. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Magma Jet, you're not killing it. Those call the Conclave uh, Centaur tokens can't kill that. There's also so many ways to dodge removal that it, it's like if I want my removal to get what I want it to get because I'm playing this and all of a sudden they also dodge the removal somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like Magma Jet a ton. Um, you know, I, I of course I wrote down three red cards because I think red is the worst. Uh, Chandra's Outrage was another one we talked about a little bit. It's uh, two red red for an instant. Chandra's Outrage deals four damage to target creature and two damage to that creature's controller. Now I'm not saying this card's bad. It's still very good, but my problem with it and and it, the very first deck I drafted was red green because a lot of these cards I was picking up early, and I found them to be not as good as in a normal set. And one of yeah. the reasons is double red. Yep, double red. I think you want to splash red, if anything, and having double red in it just makes it impossible to cast in a non-red dedicated deck. In fact, I had a red-green-white deck that had a lot of green and white in it, and I was like, I really need removal, but I can't actually play the Chandra's Outrage because it just costs too many It's going to sit in your hand. You won't be able to cast it. Yeah, yeah. it's a three-color set. You're drafting three-color decks or even four-color a lot, and so that double red is just... And especially when you, we mentioned all those other removal spells you have access to, yeah. you know... If it wasn't conditional, see, Grizzly Salvage is a black version, which is two black black and destroys a creature and they mill some. You'll play that because it will get anything. Mm -hmm. But Chandra's Outrage, if they have managed to pump their creature or something, then all of a sudden you you went through all the hoops to be able to play double red and then you still couldn't kill it. And also it's yeah. in red, which I'd much rather be heavy black than I would be heavy red. So yeah, exactly. The the other red card that I thought was going to be good was Skurzdag Cultist. This is such a Josh card, and maybe this is just me. Maybe nobody else thought it was going to be good. And I'm Vithian just... Stinger is more of a Josh card, honestly. I, I mean, that card is good. Uh, hold on. Skurzdeg Cultist <laughs> is two red red for a 2-2 two, two human shaman. You play a red and tap it to sacrifice a creature, and then Skurzdeg Cultist deals two damage to target creature or player. So it shocks something for sacrificing something. And this is a, is a uh, format where there's a lot of reasons to want to sacrifice your own stuff. Soul Ransom is one we talked about, but there's a whole bunch of cards that have on Earth. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of Balkanrath nobles at common, so you just want your stuff to leave the battlefield. There's a bunch of token makers, things like Goblin Assault. I just thought, man, Skursday Cultist is going to be really, really good. It's so slow. It's super slow. The fact that you have to tap it as well, yeah. so you can't. You can only use it once a turn. And um, it's a four mana two two. They're just better sacrifice outlets in black that let you sack a creature for free yeah. to pump a creature, um, or they come out earlier. Like if this was a two drop that did the same thing it'd be great because i could get it online and then yeah. use it right away but the problem is i gotta play it on turn four which means on turn five is the first time i can activate it 
and people are playing Dinrova Horrors and crap. Yeah. So that's what happened to me in a lot of games. Play it, Dinrova Horror, bounce it back. That's the worst. That's a two. Now, that's like sets you back two turns. And even. I can't block the Dinrova Horror with it. Yeah. Because it's a four mana two two. So I'm just it like uh yeah. Yeah. yeah, not to mention if you're playing this with Soul Ransom, you're not going to be wanting heavy red in a in a, in a Grixis deck. No. And there's only one other uh, steel effect in Traitor's Instinct at common. Now, Traitor's Instinct, I think, is a lot is a little bit better than it looks because of all the sacrifice effects. If you have Vampire yeah. Aristocrat, and I had a couple decks with like three or four, then Traitor's Instinct is just reads four damage, or sorry, four mana, do five damage to them, and kill one of their creatures, which yeah. is pretty good. Uh, this last one is Goblin Electromancer slash every blue-red card in the set. There's no payoff for it. There was a Burning Vengeance deck in EMA, right? This was all about casting spells and getting them into your graveyard to cast them again. It was sweet. It was an awesome first pick, and it was it wanted you to be in those colors. Goblin Electromancer is blue and a red. It's common for a 2-2. It says, instant and sorcery spells you cast combo cost one less to cast, which is sweet, right? You play two of these, and all of a sudden, you're, you're hitting people with Shaunch Outrage for two red mana, but there's no win condition in there's these no colors. There's no payoff for it. There's no, you know, if you've got a token deck, there's Intangible Virtue. There's Populate Effect. There's a little bit of Conspire in this, but you need really, um, what's the rare that does it? The, is it Wart or whatever the... Wart the Raid Mother? Yeah, that's yeah, a Conspire yeah. thing. Maybe with Electromancer again. It, there's just not really a deck that goes with Goblin Electromancer uh, that I can see in the format. And and by the end of the day, they were going like last pick. So you would get a pack and it would have Goblin Electromancer and two other cards. Then the next pack would have Goblin Electromancer. <laughs> then the last pick, like no I mean, one wanted them because you couldn't find a home for them. Yeah, and the problem is, is that like, okay, sure, there's Niv-Mizzet in the set. There's Pass in Flames. Those cards are rare yeah. and mythic. You know, like the cards that really work well with this kind of deck that want to be casting tons of spells and being more red-blue uh, controlly just they're all at a higher rarity level so you're just not going to see them so i just didn't really understand what the point of a red blue deck was and every time i was like maybe i'll force it this time i never saw a card pass me by in the rest of the draft that was like you should have forced it because of this it never happened so i would just stay away from a red blue uh focused deck i would always pair blue with something though i think blue is blue and black seem definitely the strongest colors yeah let's go back to that viridian stinger the tim oh yes this card is actually really good and i'll tell you why um, so it's a Tim in that it's a zero one for two and a red. You can tap it to do one damage to target creature or player. It also has one unearth for one and a red. So you can cast it from, or sorry, you can return it to the battlefield from the graveyard and it gains haste. And then you exile at end of turn. So you can sort of use it once after it's dead. This is also good because you can bring it back and then sacrifice it to something, which mm-hmm. is, is often something you want to do, but there is a cycle of one drops and I think all of them have one power. And so there's Avison's pilgrim. And Gideon's Lawkeeper are the two big ones that see a lot of play. In right. fact, basically, ev- everyone plays the Avacyn Pilgrims and the Gideon's Lawkeepers that they get. And those are both one-drops that have one toughness that you can just shoot down with the Viridian Stinger. There's also things like Lingering Souls. There's um, the... Tandem Lookout is really important for blue. Yeah, there's a... What's the blue one? Uh, wing... Wing, wing Cra- Splicer. Uh, wing Crafter is the, uh, the one-drop in blue. Right. Um, and then there's that 3-1 haste you were talking about in, in the uh, red black, red, black. Yeah. so there's just a, enough stuff with one toughness that I, the verdian stinger ends up being really good there's also a basilisk collar in the set so yes. you could live that dream oh man if you ever get a basilisk collar on a verdian <laughs> stinger oh it's so awesome uh so i think that card is maybe a little better than it looks of course i'm partial to tim so i could be overrating it because of that yeah 
One final note, uh, when we drafted the set, we opened uh, two different cases, and they all had collation errors. And what I mean by that is the way that the packs are assembled when they're being built is collating them. So they'll have a sheet that's just foils and a sheet that's just rares and mythics. And then what they'll do is they'll you know cut those cards out and then put them together to form a pack. And in a lot of the packs that I opened, the first four cards uh, were sort of unbalanced. There was a lot more black on the top of the card than the bottom. And then the rest of the cards were normal. So it looked as though a different printer or a different sort of set had dropped the four cards in the wrong pack. So we'd see a lot of double comments and stuff. This is just something to be worried about when you're drafting the set, that there might be some collation errors. And if that does happen, I don't know how to draft around it, but just be wary that it may throw off some reads initially. It might be worth it to go into the thing where you see... The because, doubles, yeah. Yeah, because what we saw was there would be certain cards that you would just show up with more frequency depend in, in a certain box. And we actually had some people tweet this at us. I think somebody opened... A box and got 13 uh, Burning Tree Emissaries in their box. Whoa. Which means more than half their packs had a Burning Tree Emissary. Interesting. In it. it just shows that they're those collating errors. And again, we had a lot of packs that had two of the same common. There were some that even had two different commons doubled up within the pack. So, yeah, I don't know how that sort of, how you can make that into an advantage in drafting. Although, yeah, in one, it was like Call of the Conclave, and I didn't do this on purpose, but I ended up taking them, and then I ended up having like six in my deck by the end, which is something, I guess, that worked out in my favor. Yeah, I think if you see it and you're already going towards those colors, I would not I would not be afraid to start taking them. Uh, at the same time... Just knowing just, like that's a card that's going to come around and yeah, I do you, want you it. Yeah, you may see more of it yeah. in the future, and like especially Call of the Conclave, it gets just get better when you get five of them. <laughs> that card is so good. Yeah, so I mean, I would just be wary that there are some collation errors, um, and I would also be wary that this may affect some of the signals being passed you as well yeah that's a good point because you could be like this call of the conclave still here and it's like no the person you're right like, just took they it just took it yeah but there just, just was two in that pack yeah. yeah um all right well we you know what to the listeners uh i want two questions so one is going back to our original topic which is are you a fan of play variants in commander what did we miss what play variants didn't we talk about which ones do you like to play maybe that we don't know about was there a balance to one of the ones that we talked about that we didn't cover? Oh, yeah. Is there a variant of one of the variants that yeah. we... Yeah, it's a, a better veritable. variant. <laughs> um, uh, please share so. those with us in the comments. Give us a, a tweet. Uh, send us an email, any way to contact us. And the other thing I want to say is, what have you learned about drafting Modern Masters 2017? Because we need this, the info. Because we're still going to draft it more. So oh, yeah. I want to be able to It's win. on Modo right now, I think. So, so let's wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up let us know and and also if you guys have any sweet polls some of you guys have already been doing this make me very jealous yeah for show sure. us make show us your foil scalding turns my boxes sucked yeah um <laughs> in fact we do unboxing videos now uh for most every set so make sure you check those out josh's girlfriend l has the magic touch unfortunately this last set she's really kind of upset because she's been extremely lucky and she's blaming she's saying i don't want to do it anymore because the camera sucks away all my luck of course it does. It's the camera. It's definitely the camera. It's the camera. You well, gotta blame something. So what I'm gonna say is you should go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, order your own box, and then do not film while you open it. <laughs> so that you can get the best cards possible. Actually, yeah. truth truth be told, don't do that. Order singles. Yeah. Yeah. Just just don't crack unless you're drafting. Just don't crack a box just to get cards out of it. Draft it's it's meant to be drafted. If you want cards. Order the cards specifically because you'll get what you want and you'll end up paying a lot less money. Yeah. And but do order them at cardkingdom.com slash command zone because you'll be supporting the show and helping us keep the lights on. 
Doof. All the lights turn on. It'd be awesome if you yeah. just pushed a button or like clap her. <laughs> yeah. Like no. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I thought you had one. I did. I really had one too. <laughs> Let me think. Oh, I got it. Let's see when this that comes That was up. a good oh. Oh. Okay. All right, moving on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside of the world of magic. First of all, this is coming out on March 28th, so it's my birthday today. Happy birthday, me. Happy birthday. <laughs> I turned 30 today, so it's uh, we're getting there. Happy birthday. You turned 30? Yeah. Oh, man, it's all downhill. <laughs> Wait, it's all uphill. I don't know. I thought it was, I, I, I'm not even over the hill yet, technically. Yeah, that's why uh, I don't know. But All more, these hill analogies. <laughs> but more importantly, and we'll also mention this probably on next week, Dimension 404 comes out next Tuesday, April April 4th. Uh, I highly suggest you all check it out. The trailer we'll put in the show notes. It comes out on 404. Yeah. Dimension 404. If any of you use the internet, you know that when you go to a website that doesn't exist, it gives you an error 404. Dimension 404 exists. It's a six episode miniseries. Each episode is standalone. It exists in the world between the cracks of the internet. Um, it's a mix between sort of the Black Mirror and uh, Twilight Zone uh, generation sort of kind of shows. Um, it's all really fun, fictional. Uh, it's also done by Rocket Chump. Yes. Um, you know, Jimmy's brother, Freddie, our buddies, Matt, Dez, they all, this is their show, and it's pretty sweet. Yeah, we have a lot of big cameos in there as well. I'm in there very briefly, uh, but there's also Patton Oswalt, Leah Michelle, Joel McHale, Constance Wu. I mean, tons of top-level celebrity It's legit. It's, it's a TV show. It's not, you yeah. know, it's, it's, not like a, it's not like this show. Yeah, so if you guys haven't gotten your free month trial of Hulu... Oh, that's a really good point. ...it is a great chance to get that going. Also, Hulu just has, like, all of Seinfeld and tons of other great stuff. So I would recommend to check that out. The show comes out next week on Tuesday. We'll talk about it again probably on the next end step. But, yeah, make sure you check it out. It's going to be really fun. The trailer as well was voiceovered by Mark Hamill. I know. They got freaking Luke Skywalker. Yeah. I mean... What a voice. Yeah. You, your boys are just big-timing us. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty <laughs> maybe, sweet. Maybe he'll play some Commander with us someday on Game Nights. I assume he plays. Yeah, right? He has to. <laughs> if you, you Why could, wouldn't he? You could be like... No! No! Yeah, as soon as That's he, all I'm going to do the whole time he's there. <laughs> he's just going to sit there and be like, are you done yet? <laughs> no! I'm not done yet! <laughs> <laughs> All right, make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast or right next to us on Collected.Company, which is our magic hub. Those guys talk about modern. Modern Masters is the most recent set. You've got all those cards. You want to know what to do with them? Ask Alex and Ben. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. And a big special thank you to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations Thanks, that Jeffrey. start and end the show. You can find Jeffrey on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. And you can find the work that Terry does on youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. I, I highly recommend the video versions of the show. I think they're great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's. I, I think, understand people who are listening in the car because that's the time that you have available. But if you ever have the choice between the two in any way, shape, or form, then the video is so much more superior to the audio only. Not to mention the video can serve as an audio only format, but the audio only format cannot serve as a video format. That you know is what I mean? a really good you can just point. Put the video on your computer and look at it occasionally. See if see why Josh was screaming no at the end of this episode. It's true, it doesn't work so good in audio. I put my ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> it has something to do with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Oh, peace. I stole it.
How do I always get again. tricked into that happening? I don't know. I, I'm used to saying goodbyes. No! no! For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.